Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. We are so excited that you are with us this morning, and if you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us here, wherever you're watching from. And I do want to let you know that my hope and my prayer for you is the same as for every single person that's watching alongside you right now or wherever and whenever they're watching, and that's simply this that no matter where you are in your faith, that you would be able to take one step towards Jesus because that is what we are all about here at Crossbridge. I am so excited today because you're gonna need a couple of things with you as we close out our series called Pathways. If you have it, you're gonna need your Bible. You're gonna need a pen, which I don't have on me right now. And you're gonna need your trail guide, which is in the link above if you don't have a trail guide. And this is simply the way that we've been walking through this series each and every week. And today we are at week 10. Week 10 is the week where we talk about celebration. So all I wanna to do to start with is just say congratulations to all of you who have made it through all of these 10 weeks to start right now. And so would you do me a favor? If you're watching on your phone, your computer, around with people around you, would you just turn to the people around you, wish them some congratulations. If you're at a computer and you can get to some emojis, let's throw some hands up, let's throw some clappy hands. If you've got them little, you know, confetti things popping all over, throw that into the comments so that we can celebrate together, recognizing we have taken a huge amount of steps in 10 weeks together, and I am just so excited for you and for our church collectively because the stories that you have shared have been absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing not just those stories with me, but with each other about what God is doing in your life through this series. And please remember that no matter what happens, you're probably gonna wanna revisit all of these weeks. So you could go to Crossbridge On Demand right over on YouTube and you can find all of these messages to continue to go over them. But celebration is not just where we're gonna land. I would argue that as we look at the step of celebration, this is gonna actually be the definition and the end result of every one of the steps that we've taken on this trail with Jesus so far. So all nine of these steps that we've talked about up to this point should culminate in this step of celebration. We will do this every time we take a step to look like Jesus. And, and I, I will be kind of upfront with you to begin with that I am not always the easiest um, at celebrating. I'm not always the best at it. And I, it's just part of the way that I grew up. In the home that I grew up, celebration wasn't a big deal. When it was your birthday, it was like, high five, it's your birthday, see you later. There was no big parties, there was no big shindigs. Um, we celebrated getting together with family sometimes, like Christmas Eve was a really big thing with fishes and meals, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. But outside of that, there was no real big celebrations that we as a family held to. We just kind of lived life always going to the next thing. I'm not unhappy about that, but I didn't really realize how it affected me until I was actually working at my last church and my lead pastor had to sit me down at one point. And he said, Jimmy, listen, you gotta slow down and get excited sometimes. I'm like, I'm excited all the time. I'm a youth pastor. And he's like, not like that excited. What I need you to do is you go from one thing to the next so fast that you never pause to celebrate. You never get excited about what's doing and just throw the party. You, you don't. And so what I need you to do is slow down a little bit. Slow down 
And instead of taking your stick and moving on to the next thing, take your stick and just get rid of it. And I need you to slow down, have an event and celebrate with your team. I lived from one event to the next, always pushing through thinking we could accomplish more and we could do more. There's no time to stop and celebrate. There's always more to do. I didn't realize at the time that it was somewhat killing my team, my family, and even my own soul to never stop and to celebrate the awesomeness of what God was doing. What I was living was not the life of Jesus by any means. Because did you know that Jesus talks about celebration all the time? When you go to look into the New Testament and the stories about Jesus and his biographies, he is always talking about parties. He is always talking about feasts. He is always talking about things that, that need to be celebrated. Uh, I, I love that a lot of times he wants us to celebrate. One of my favorite passages is in John 10, 10, when he talks about the enemy, the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that his desire is for our lives to be a mess, but that Jesus says, but I've come so that you would have life and have it to the full. I want your life to be full. And instead, I found myself living from thing to thing, never stopping to be full because there was always more to do. And Jesus celebrated he celebrated all the time. And in Luke 15, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. It will be um, the third book in your New Testament, about three quarters of the way through your Bible. And this biography of Jesus in Luke chapter 15, it's amazing. It's, it's the best way to describe it. It's the lost chapter of the Bible. There is uh, three stories about things that get lost. And the first thing that, that Jesus does is tell a story about a sheep that gets lost. And the shepherd goes off to find this one sheep. And when he brings this sheep back in verse 6, it, it says that when he found it, the shepherd says, rejoice with me. And then if you go to the next story, there's a story of a lost coin and a woman who loses her coin. And when she loses this coin, she finds it after she tears apart the whole house finds this coin, and Jesus says in verse 9 that this woman says, rejoice with me because I found my coin. And then the last story, we call it um, the prodigal son, but it really is the story about a lost son. And this father who's waiting for his son who has ditched him, and he continues to wait and wait and wait. And when this son is found, if you look in the Bible in verse 23, it's great that Jesus, or the father in this case, in this story, looks and he says, we have to celebrate that my son who was lost is now is found. And Jesus talks about celebrating as a way of life all over the Bible. And it is central to every single one of the steps that we have taken so far. Because without a joy-filled spirit with all of these steps, without being filled with celebration, our life has the potential to become dull, listless. And these steps that we've been talking about become like a noose. They become these legalistic battering rams into our life that instead of bringing life, they destroy us because we could never accomplish enough. This is why celebration is so important. And I do believe that some of these steps have been hijacked by the church and by religion to beat us into 
a defeated and deflated life. Nothing about that sounds like Jesus to me. Every step should be characterized by this carefree excitement and and a sense of thanksgiving. But how do we get there? How do we get to a place where we could live life with carefree excitement and thanksgiving? Well, to explore that, I, I think there's a great passage we could look at together. And this is going to be our main passage for tonight, uh, or today. And so what I'd love for you to do is to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. And Philippians is going to be one of these really little letters that's found a couple of chapter, or a couple of books after Luke. And it'll be, if you find uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it'll be right in there. And we'll be in chapter 4. And these are letters that were written by Paul to, when he was in prison, to a couple of churches to really encourage them, to boost them up. And when you read the letter to the Philippians, you get this great picture of the hope that God brings, the hope that we find in Christ. And when you sit into chapter four, it is outstanding what we're about to read. So, you know what, let's just start in verse one where it says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. I don't know about you, but I feel Paul's excitement. Like he's genuinely in love with this church. He's like, you bring me such joy. I can't wait to write to you. And I'll be honest, a lot of times as I'm prepping these messages and these times together, I continue to tell our staff and my family and how much I love doing this because I love spending time with you this way. I get what Paul's saying here, but he continues. And he says this, he says, now I appeal to you, Eodia and Syntyche, please, Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. You know, it's funny that Paul addresses here, after all this hope and all this joy that he says, I find in you, he gets to this place where he's like, "You, you need to deal with some conflict here. Paul addresses something that we all know. Life is not all peaches and Krispy Kremes, is it? Krispy Kremes. Mm. Life isn't lived there. You know what? I know we don't normally do this at Crossbridge, but, but I'm going to ask you real quick. If you're in a watch party, turn around and give me an amen if you know that life is difficult. If you're watching online, give me a mm-hmm. Give me a, give me a praise hands that you know life is hard. Life is filled with difficulties, and you could throw it right in here. We all understand that. This is not easy. And Paul here, he mentions this and he appeals to them. He says, listen, I understand that you have issues. I understand that, but I'm writing to you, I'm appealing to you in the Greek here, the best way to translate the Greek of I appeal is I am pleading, I am begging with you to work through this conflict. Would you somehow get through the issue that's in front of you because I want you as a church to experience joy. I want you to have hope and I will tell you, that it is crazy hard to find joy in your life when it is filled with conflict. And when you are in the midst of pain and suffering, it's so hard to find joy, isn't it? Our minds become consumed with the issues and the conflicts that we have. 
Think about the last conflict in your life. It, it may have already happened this morning before you're even watching church together with Crossbridge community. Listen, conflict happens, and what happens when we experience these tensions and these struggles and the pain of our life? We wake up thinking about those issues. We eat breakfast and lunch and dinner thinking about those issues. We interact with our friends and our family thinking about those issues. We, we shower in the morning thinking about those issues. We continue to go to work and we think about those issues. And then when we finally lay our head to rest at night, what are we doing? We're thinking about those issues. And what ends up happening is these unresolved conflicts have the potential to steal our ability to see any good in life, and they rob us of our ability to experience true celebration and joy because they've consumed so much of who we are. And Paul sees this in the church and he says, I know that these two ladies got conflict and they were so instrumental in sharing the good news of Jesus to all these people, but now they've got some beef and you've got to figure out how to squash that and get rid of it because if you don't deal with this stuff, it's going to consume them. And when it consumes them, it's going to consume the church. And when it consumes the church, you will not find joy. And I need you to find joy. I need you to find hope. I want you to celebrate. And that's why Paul's telling them, you got to work through this. And then we hit uh, verse 4. This is his call to them. He says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And in the Greek here, the better translation for that is, is the Lord is near. He's close. He's close to us. Let's continue. Do not worry about anything instead. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Always be filled with joy, is what this says. Always be filled with joy. People should see a difference in us, those of us who would call ourselves Christians, disciples and apprentices, those who have dedicated our life and way of life to the teachings of Jesus Christ. They should see, the world should see a difference in us because we have so much to celebrate. We have so much to be thankful for. And so we sometimes have to get over these conflicts and these things that, that bind us up in life to get to a place of rejoicing because it's, it's the grace and the forgiveness of our life that so many people need to understand outside of those who have dedicated themselves to Jesus. They don't understand what we understand. And when we walk around with that goofy grin on our face, and they're like, what's wrong with you? And you go, I'm forgiven. And when it overwhelms us, there's this joy that comes with life. But unfortunately, so many of us live in this conflict every day. We live with sadness and depression and anxiety. And what Paul is saying here is, I need you to move from a place where you are not anxious about everything, where you are not worried about everything, that there is this carefreeness to life that you live. Please hear me. It, it, this, when he says, I need you to live carefree, it doesn't mean that he's desiring that they would have no cares at all, that they would basically sit on the couch and watch Netflix until, you know, the camels came home. That, that's not what this is about. But what he's saying here is that you cannot 
afford to let the space of your mind, the space of your heart, and the the space in your soul to be filled with nothing but negative. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but this is not the way of Jesus. And Paul makes an argument here that if you're always worried, if you're always concerned, if you're always anxious, this is not the way of Jesus. This is a life lived in the the grips of the enemy. This is not what God has called for us. So we need to get through these conflicts, these tensions, push through them, and invite God into them to say, I need to get through this so it no longer takes up space because I don't have any left. How many of us have said, I can't deal with anything more. I don't have the the capacity for any more of this garbage. Where is there joy in a life like that? There is none. We have to work through these things because we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. And as we get through all of the garbage so that we can get to all of the good stuff, I love the promise that Paul says here. I don't want you to worry about anything, anything, but with everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so what's our main way to work through this conflict? It is prayer. It is seeking God's wisdom out to get through this. And as we seek God's wisdom to get through this, there is this peace that surpasses all understanding that guards what? Our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That it takes this moment to say, I know that these were consumed, but ladies, let's get over this stuff in the beginning of the chapter so that we can get to the good stuff. Let's get over the conflict so we can get to the joy. And so here's what I want you to do. Seek out wisdom through prayer. Don't be anxious in these things. Come to me in prayer. Let's deal with these things. Let's turn our minds towards a lifestyle of thankfulness and peace. And when I say minds, it's important because Paul addresses what should we do with our mind in this point? Because I don't know about you. My mind, when I get kind of into conflict, I I loop. I loop and I I go right back into it. And it's like, okay, there's some solution. Yeah, but what about? And I could replay a hundred different ways to get through that conflict and, and never address it once in reality. We've got to reset our mind. And so how do we reset our mind? Would you look with me? Verse 8. Verse 8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned from me, everything that you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the Lord of peace will be with you. How cool is this? Crossbridge, what we think about matters. What we think about matters. If we are always anxious, depressed, nervous, and isolated, it will take up everything that we've got to live day by day, and we will be looking at life with the worst, waiting for the other shoe to drop in our life. And we already know that life is hard. We've amended it, you've told your watch parties, we get that life is hard, but unfortunately, when all we do is think about negative and bad things, life just seems to get harder. It seems to get more difficult. And we put ourselves in this position of thinking, well, of course it's gonna happen to me. It always happens to me. And the truth is, 
Paul says here, listen, I, I need you to focus on what's true because the lies that you're believing are not the truth. It doesn't always happen to you. It always happens to everybody. Yes, you're experiencing pain. So does the person next to you. And so will the kids who come behind you, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and whoever exists on this earth until our king returns to take us home. Life is full of pain. But God is saying it doesn't have to be full of sadness. I want you to have joy and peace in your life. And so I need you to do me a favor. Reset your brain. Think about what is true. Crossbridge, there's a reason that we soap together and go chapter by chapter through the Bible. It isn't because we have nothing better to do. It's because the enemy is constantly telling us lies about how we have no value. We have no worth. Nothing's worth, worth celebrating. In the season of COVID, you should be alone and you should have nothing. And this is only the worst for you. Where God is saying, no, I have some better truths for you. Truths that you could have peace. Truths that you could have joy. Truths that you've been created in my image and I created you with a purpose. You could do something with your life from your living room just as much as you could from your office. Life's not over. I have more for you. I've forgiven you. I gave my son for you. There's so much to celebrate. Tell your face that. Tell your heart that. Remind yourself. And so he says, I need you to think. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Think about what's honorable, right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. All of these things. Too often when you jump on Facebook, I had to get off of it for a while because I was sick and tired of the, the, the putrid poison of people's comments. That there was trolls all over the place and it was disgusting. And I'm like, I'm done with people's negativity. I just need to breathe because there's nothing pure, honorable, or holy in half the people's comments that are out there. And so we need to reset and say, say, how am I going to put my mind on what is right? We start here as a church. We will always start here. We'll always end here. This is what we're about. We need to remind each other of these truths. We need to flood our hearts and our minds with people, with events, and worth, with circumstances that are worth celebrating. Because the way that we see life then will change. We will be waiting for the next thing to celebrate. Sometimes we just need to get out of our own heads long enough to step away from these issues that we're always dealing with, to learn that celebration is not an event that's just at a birth or a wedding, that celebration is a way of life. It's the way that we get to live and see everything that happens around us. It colors every step we take towards Jesus. I'll be honest, I needed that smack upside the head from my former lead pastor to slow down after every big event to celebrate with my teams and my volunteers. And I will tell you that what I saw in the beginning is a waste of time to throw a party. Let's all go out to eat at a diner. It'll be fun. And I'm thinking this is a waste of my time. We should just get on to what's next. I never understood that there was so much laughter around a table that could be had. And laughter at silly things that happened at an event. If it was a fall festival and a kid came dressed up some way and we'd be like, do you remember that kid? What were their parents thinking? And we would just laugh. Most of the people that I've run with at my past church, when we get together, we don't talk about the amazing events. 
we share the stories of life that brought laughter, that brought joy. Yeah, there's war stories in all of our past, but those aren't worth harping on. We needed the time to stop and celebrate, to get dressed up for no real reason and just throw a party together because that's what Jesus does all the time is throw a party. I've, now, I've learned my inability to celebrate. It robbed my soul, my team, my church of what true celebration looked like each time that I just moved on to what was next. While I saw celebration as a waste of time, I missed that it was the joy that it brought to my life that I needed, that it brought strength. And I understand now much differently, Nehemiah 8.10, where when Nehemiah says to all these builders, it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I was like, oh, that's a cool thing to put on a poster. But I never understood that when you live a life of celebration, when you live a life that is joyful, that you see things and can celebrate God's movement in all things, when you live that life, you find a strength that is supernatural to wake up the next day and go, I know life's hard, but what's God bringing today? What's he doing today? And we find this celebration at a different level. My life looks different because of celebration. So Crossbridge, I, I want to ask you, what do you do to celebrate? And how do people see you? If you were to go to a party right now, and you were one of the balloons at that party, would you be ones that they had to weight down with one of those little anchors because you were so full of life? Or would you be the ones that we'd want to return to wherever we bought our balloons from when all the balloons are here and it's just and you realize this isn't going to last. This isn't going to go anywhere. There's nothing in this. I believe we're called to celebrate. And so Crossbridge, I want to give you four simple ways that you can practice celebration this week, okay? Four ways that you can practice celebrations. I want you to take out your trail guides and write these things down because I need you to celebrate these things every single day. You could find any of these every day. Are you ready? The first thing that I need from you is simply to, um, this is my favorite of all of them, you ready? Turn your music up. Turn your music up. Music has this way of changing the environment all around you. And while I say this is my favorite thing, my kids have learned that uh, this is what we are going to do in life. And uh, I, I need you to turn music up because what music does, music has this way of making us want to dance, making us want to sing, making us just want to move. And have you ever seen kids when they start to dance, when they're learning to dance, and they, they, they don't care who's watching, and they just start to shift and to move uh, at Crossbridge? Our drummer, Chris, his, one of his kids, there's like video after video of this kid just dancing all over the place. He's two, but he dances and it doesn't matter what happens. And every time someone sees it, we all say the same thing when we see a kid dancing. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I didn't care. And the truth is, is like, why do you care? Why do you care? When did we stop? Like, really dancing and playing and just enjoying life. When did we stop going to a concert and wanting to be at the front and start sitting in the back going, well, this is pleasurable. When did this happen? When is the last time you danced just to dance and you feel like, Jimmy, I, I don't dance. I don't have the rhythm. I don't have the thing. I, I know I've seen you at parties. That's okay. It's still fun. You don't have to know what you're doing just to enjoy life. 
Turning up the music is my favorite things and my kids hate it in my car because when they bring friends into the car, it's like the radio is daddy's and hip hop is blaring and we are singing and we are laughing and half of their friends think that their dad is, is crazy and they're not wrong, but I, I love to sing. I love to dance and I will do this. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> now we pull up to youth group or when we used to pull up to school and still sometimes pull up to a friend's house, my kids will say the same thing that I said to my parents. Dad turned down. Dad turned down. I didn't want my friends hearing Led Zeppelin and they don't want their friends hearing KB. You know, like that's what it is. But it's so much fun. When we go mini golfing, I, the last time we went out mini golfing, Beyonce came on. Uh, and it wasn't the last time, maybe it was a year or two ago. Beyonce and all the single ladies came on. Come on, do you ever see them little mini golf holes? They're like runways. So you gotta give your walk down there and you gotta give your hand shake. And so of course I jump on one of those little pylons and start dancing. And of course, what do my kids and family do? Oh, it's dad. I can't believe he's doing this again. At Home Depot, recently Take On Me came on the radio on, on their little system. You can't hear Take On Me and not sing. And so Ruby finds herself slowly sliding away into another aisle as I somehow find all these other people around me who are singing now. And when you get to that really high part, we all laugh hysterically as we fall over. And we're like, what are we doing? In our masks, not knowing whose voice was whose, but it was fun. Why? Turn your music up. Enjoy life a little bit. You could do this today. Throw a party in your house. Which leads us to our second thing that I need for you to do. Would you laugh? I need you to laugh. Oh, some of us take life way too seriously. You think that you are not allowed to have fun and that everything needs to be serious all the time. It really doesn't. There's no way Jesus walked around with 12 other guys and did not laugh. Half of the stories that he tells, they are hysterical. When he tells some of these parables, we try to break them down into these super spiritual things when he's like, listen, it's like the camel going through the eye of a needle. And you're like, that, that, that's just, why would that wouldn't work? It would be hysterical to them. It, it would just not make sense. And they're like, no, we need to laugh because smiles change things. Smiles have this way of sending different endorphins and chemicals into our body. When is the last time that you laughed so hard you peed just a little bit? You need that. I think the last time for me was probably recently where we had Pastor Will and Sharon over our house and Eileen and I were playing, we were playing Mario together and all of a sudden I have no idea how it happened, but Will's character grabbed Eileen's character by the feet and started spinning and not knowing what to do. And he starts screaming about something and she can't figure out what's going on. And Will freaked out, hit a button and threw her in the lava and couldn't figure out what happened. And for no apparent reason, all of the laughing, the screaming and the accusing turned into this belly laugh that we no longer could play because we were laughing so hard, so hard. I needed that. When's the last time you laughed that hard with your family, with your friends? You need to laugh because joy brings us strength. Some of you just need to laugh a little bit. You're gonna have to break through that. The fourth thing that I want you to do, I need you to um, encourage creativity. Encourage creativity. I want you to look at things and embrace the, the fantasy and the creativity that is all around you. Sometimes we get so caught up in a life that has to be structured and accomplishing what's next, we lose the play in life. 
I remember we were on vacation with a family from Crossbridge together, and as we were together, all of our kids decided they were going to put on a production, and they learned songs to sing, and then all of the kids made not just productions, and we had this show, but they did a art expose for us, and all of these things that they created of bracelets and perler beads and things that they could hang on the wall. And so us as adults are in the kitchen playing games and laughing together for the week while our kids are doing all this stuff. The week culminated in this moment where we walked around a living room in a tiny home together and we looked at all these beautiful pieces of art and we shelled out the big bucks to purchase these amazing pieces of art. Some of them were worth upwards to one or two dollars a piece because they were that good. And as we shelled out all of this money, we watched our kids glow with joy and we saw life in them, something that was so different in them. And when we got to hear a production of music, we saw something alive in our kids that brought us joy. And their joy was bringing us joy. Did anything massive happen? Were these works of art then hung on our walls? Did these songs become massive YouTube hits? No, but the creativity that was embraced, the creativity that was celebrated and encouraged, it brought such life to our families that it's a, it's a memory I can tell you now from years ago. Don't be so serious with your life. Enjoy the creativity that is all around you. Go listen to new music. Embrace new foods. Go, go look at a, a virtual art show right now. Get out of the seriousness that is life in this moment. And the last thing that I want you to do is this, is to elevate normal events. I want you to elevate normal events. I need you to find things in everyday life to celebrate. I need you to look at everything that you can and say, is there a way to celebrate right now? I have a silly little app on my phone that tells me the days that I have been married to my wife. And every 100 days, I have it set to send me alarm so that we could celebrate. So yes, I do not celebrate every single anniversary. I celebrate every 100 days I've been married to my wife. And then we celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate this year, it was 20 years marked the day that we started dating and I kissed her for the first time. And it was so fun to sit in the car with her this week and say, you know, I've been kissing you for 20 years. And to celebrate that, that she's the only person I've kissed for 20 years. And we celebrated together. It's an everyday thing, but it means something. When progress reports came home, there was things to celebrate. When our kid does well on a test, we celebrate. We try to find reasons to throw little parties in our house, to play games in our house. You need to make a big deal of starting a new movie series together. You can make a big deal of starting a new game or learning a new game. Make a big deal about the little things that you think don't matter because they do. I want you to take the normal things and somehow figure out a way, how can we celebrate this right now? Did you have a really good day of work after a string of really garbage ones? Celebrate it! Because celebration becomes a way of life, not just something we have to throw a party for, but we need to begin to look for ways to celebrate because we will choose to live a life of celebration. How do you look at life? And how do you look at these steps that we are taking? Because Crossbridge, the truth is, I wanna be a church who throws parties for everything. I wanna be a church who celebrates as much as we can. Yes, there's things that are difficult, but we can celebrate no matter what we do because we can send out so much joy, 
so much celebration, and in this season, Crossbridge, I celebrate you. You have no idea how many pastors are not happy with this whole season, and while I'm not happy with the season, I am in love with what God is doing in your life. And I can celebrate what God is doing in and through you so much to the people that are around me. And you've made it to the end of this series, and that is worth celebrating. And my hope and my prayer is that you would look at each of these steps, Crossbridge, and you would celebrate, that you would look at choosing a path and say, I've chosen to follow Jesus. Meditation and prayer, and you would celebrate a new awareness of Jesus and what he's doing in your life, that you would look at study and celebrate a deeper knowledge of God in your life. And you look at fasting and celebrate that God is truly enough for you, that you would look at service, and celebrate the image of God and serving Him and serving others. In solitude, you would celebrate the silence and the simple presence of God. In submission, that you would celebrate that God is in control and that you don't have to be. In, in Sabbath, that you would celebrate you're not nearly as important as you think you are and you can embrace the rest and the peace of God. And in confession, you could celebrate that your sin is covered by the blood of Jesus and that you are forgiven. And as you celebrate that, people would see the goofy grin on your face and say, what is it? And you could say, life is worth celebrating. Yes, it is hard, amen. But my God has brought me joy and that gives me strength to live out every day. So there's no better way that I could think of closing this series than by celebrating communion. And so what I would love to do is to celebrate communion together as a community. So if you have your communion elements, we wanna give you about 30 seconds to kind of get those together, to put them into a place where you can be in community because we are going to celebrate the beauty, the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ together to culminate our series on Pathways. So we're gonna give you a little bit of time and we'll be right back celebrating communion together. Thanks so much for getting all of your communion elements together. Uh, you'll notice that I have a couple of extra spots here, and one of the reasons for that is, is we believe that communion is best celebrated in community. And while it's been so hard in this COVID-19 season to do that, each week I'm so thankful for the, the many people at Crossbridge who continue to come together, support to have the services that we've been having. So I've invited our worship team to join me in doing communion together. And I know from a timing perspective, it's less than 10 minutes. So um, Will, Chris, Michelle, if you guys wanna come and join me. And what you don't see Crossbridge is behind the camera and in the seats is um, Sharon, who's been doing all of our filming and Dave Shank, the pastor over at Grace, who's been so generous in um, accommodating us here to just continue to film and to be part of the Big C Church together. And so again, Grace, thank you so much for your hospitality. And we celebrate communion together as um, churches, understanding that God has been so good. And so I wanna remind you, as we've just come off of talking about celebration, 
that this is meant to be done with a smile and a joy remembering what Christ has done. And as I look at Matthew chapter 26, there's this great moment when Jesus is with his disciples for the Last Supper, and it's a, a moment where you're remembering that Jesus knows he's about to die, but the disciples are confused what's going on, and it's the Passover Seder. It's a very important meal to celebrate that, that Israel has been taken out of Egypt, and, and it's so amazing. And what happens during the Seder is Jesus takes the bread, and I would encourage you to take whatever bread that you have at your um, home, and for us, we could take the bread together. And he, he raises the bread and he reminds the disciples, this is my body, and it's been broken for you. And so as you take this, and as you snap it, whatever it is that you have as you rip it, I would encourage you to listen to that sound, because that sound that you hear, very simply, is a reminder of Christ's body broken for us. So would you take, break, and eat? And then right after, the end of dinner, he holds up a glass. And in that glass, he holds it up, and it's supposed to be the last glass that's been uh, consumed at the end of Passover. And what's really, really important about that glass is it is the glass of redemption. And he holds up that glass and he says, I want to remind you that this is my blood. This is my blood that's been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The beauty and what we celebrate today is that your sins, my sins, your sins, have been covered by the grace, the goodness, and the blood of Jesus. And as we drink together, it's not a, oh, that's nice. This is what we celebrate together. Let's drink together. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much for your body, for your blood. That there is sweetness in the goodness of your grace, but there is bitterness because you suffered for our sins. And we celebrate today that we could never do what you've done for us, that you have loved us so much and you allow us to love others. God, I pray that as a church, you would continue to allow us to celebrate you in this Advent season, in a season that could be so easily turned towards presence and, and, and all of the festivities, that you are the reason we celebrate Jesus, that you came to earth for us, and we celebrate you. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.